Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today we're kicking off a new series. Last series we were doing, we were looking at the kingdom of heaven and we were talking about how the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's within reach, how Jesus brought that near. This series, we're doing something a little bit different, but still connected to that. We're talking about the kingdom has a king. The kingdom has a king. I think one of the reasons that I wanted for us to do this particular series is I find a lot of the time in in Christian circles, there's a lot of um, comfort around Jesus on the cross, taking our sins, dying on the cross, setting us free, saving us. But actually Jesus being king in our life is where things get a little bit uncomfortable. And so we're going to be looking at this series. And as we go through the weeks, as we always do, today we're we're preaching the word. We're going to go through it. Next Sunday, we're going to be learning deeper level. You know how Andre does it, man. You know how he gets us. I don't know where we could be. We could be moving somewhere. We could go to Mars. He might have linked up with Elon Musk. Who knows what will happen next Sunday? It it goes that kind of deep. Um, But you know how it is. We'll be exploring stuff. We'll be learning on a deeper level. We'll be... Um, thinking things through for our, uh, and the same really with prayer actually as well but then that connection at the end that we're going to be engaging directly with God with the conversation and encountering him in that now today there is a king that's what I want to talk about there is a king and I actually want to look back on some of the history of kings in the bible how kings came to be how they started to fit in 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 Israel now they had no king So if you've ever read the book of Judges, it's really exciting, it's really mental, it ends in a crazy, messy way, it's really, really full on. But the way their society basically worked was judges would arise, they would be chosen kind of by God in a way through a prophet, and they would be of great significance and they would lead and run the nation. And then prophets would come along and what prophets would do was they would speak into the social situations like in the areas where things weren't right, where there was inequality, where there were things going on that weren't good within the system, and the prophets would hold it to account. Now, there comes a point in this system where Samuel is, is, is the prophet, and he's kind of like the judge. He's kind of ruling in Israel, and some of the elders come to him, and um, this is probably the Andy Gray translation, but they basically come along and they say, your sons suck. Your sons suck. They are useless leaders. They are not like you. They're not following God the way you did. They're not bringing any of the stuff that you bring to the table. They are robbing us blind. They're mistreating us. Your kids suck. They're nothing like you. And now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So what they should have done is they should have been coming to him and they should have been saying like, yeah, guess what? You know what? Your kids suck. You know it. We know it. We all know it. They're absolutely robbing us all blind. This is a terrible situation. What does God want to do in this? But what they actually said was, was they said, now appoint for us a king to judge us like the nations. So they weren't looking to God for a solution. They were looking next door. And that is not the way to go about things. You shouldn't just be like looking at the green grass on another field because actually more often than not, the grass isn't actually greener. They weren't looking to God. They were looking to the nations around them. So that was in 1 Samuel 8, verse 4 and 5. Your sons suck. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like the nations. 
And then what happens with that is Samuel goes, he picks them a king, and what God does is pretty cool. God gives them a good king, good at the start, and he's a king that they're looking for because he's like the kings next door. They get Saul. He's a pretty good man, but the difference between Saul and, say, a prophet that would run the nation is a prophet would be leaning on God for the direction, the decision-making. Now, Saul listens to the prophet to a point, but there comes a point where actually he doesn't acknowledge the Lord and lean on his ways. He leans on his own ways. And as king, he starts to get that kingly swagger that you see in all the other countries and nations around them. And Saul starts making a few decisions where he goes, it doesn't really matter if I just do my own thing. It doesn't really matter if I just do this a little bit. Dr. Pepper, what's the worst that can happen? Well, actually, a lot of bad stuff can happen. Uh, And so they get stuck with this king. But then what happens is Samuel, who was the one whose kids were causing this riot, he's now speaking to Saul and he says this in 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So initially they get given a king that looks like the king's next door. Now God is saying this king is is dead, he's getting cut off, his offspring are not going to be running things, I'm going to find and I'm going to pick a man that is after my own heart. So then they get David. Now David is pretty much as good as it gets. If you read throughout the whole of, of the kings of the Bible, you are not going to find a better king than David. Solomon does a great job, but David is the absolute pinnacle and he is a man after God's own heart. But even David... Even David, a man after God's own heart, gets things wrong. He gets things horribly wrong. And he ends up writing a psalm, a beautiful psalm. I really want to encourage you to take time to read it and reflect on it. If you ever have things go wrong in your life, it's a great anchor. It's been a real comfort to me many times. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So even with David, a man after God's own heart, he's still a man. And he needs God to create a new heart in him. And then what you end up having is you end up having throughout this period of kings reigning over Israel is this really crazy, funny tension. You end up having wherever there's a king, there's a prophet. And wherever there's a king, there's a prophet opposing the king. So it's like, I guess for me, I hate the international break in football. I find it really boring. I'm so glad that football is back. I'm so glad that I got to watch football yesterday. And I'm really happy that my local team are at Wembley today, Sutton United. Um, so big up, big up them in their cup final of low levels that no one really cares about. But Sutton will be doing big things out here. And what you have is, is you have prophets versus kings. So I want to bring up a few of these battles that take place or five-a-side matches, whichever way you want to look at it. So first of all, I'm going to bring up Rehoboam versus Shemaiah. This was a north-south split. So the kingdom of Israel had been split between north and south. And then what happens here, and everyone knows about that, because Andre is, is Andre is it Andre the only one from the north? Is he John Snow among us today? John Snow. John Snow's been caught slipping in the south. He's lacking. He hasn't brought any north men with him. Like Claude's not here. Tyler's not here today. He's on his ones. So north versus south split. <laughs> now, south, Judah, um, wants to go bang the north. So the prophet Shemaiah steps up and because they've recently split the nation in half, he steps up and he goes, listen, 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 we're all one family, yeah? Calm down, go home. 
And so this whole army's been brought together by the king. The prophet stood up and he goes, calm down, we're all one family, go home. And everyone goes home, 1-0 to the prophets. Then we have the second matchup. We have Jeroboam versus one man of God and Ahijah. And so Jeroboam runs the North Territory, but he's got a huge problem because God's presence is in the South. So the temple is in the South. I'm so sorry, Andre. I'm so sorry. The presence of God is in the South. The temple is in the South. So all the guys from the North traveling South to go make their offering, to do their sacrifices, to go encounter God. And so Jeroboam does this brilliant thing because, you know, he remembers a time when Moses was probably up the mountain and he's like, well, Moses is, yeah, yeah, your, your dad was up the mountain with God. So Moses, not our Moses, the Moses, this is a Moses, a very great Moses, one we're very grateful for, but the absolute legend of our time. Um, was, was up on the mountain of God. You get fans. You got fans out here. Daddy, daddy. Yeah, daddy. Moses is up the mountain and then Aaron is down the bottom and then what Aaron does is he just... Yeah, yeah, here we go. He can, this was one of his worst days. <laughs> He's down the bottom and he builds two big golden cows and the people start worshipping it. It doesn't end well. It's not a good situation at all. But Jeroboam goes, you know what? I can't have all my people and me humbling ourselves to the southern kingdom and going to worship God. So he builds two big golden cows. Now you can imagine how that ended when the prophet of God came along. It ends up being with him and his family being cut off and then they're dealt with. Prophets, 2-0. And then you have Ahab. Ahab and his family. Remember Ahab, Jezebel? Well, they have a, a battle with Elijah. And Elijah, on his ones, gets caught slipping. Nope, other way around. On his ones, catches 450 prophets of Baal slipping. And then they're done away with. And then Ahab, who goes from... It looks like Ahab's really successful. He's got loads of money, loads of power, loads of influence. Um, He's prospering in so many ways, but he's not honouring God. He gets all the people worshipping Baal. And so Ahab dies and his household is left absolutely desolate. 3-0 to the prophets. You can see this is a very one-sided football match at this point. Then we go to Jehu, Jehu and Elisha. Now Jehu um, does exactly what Elisha tells him to. He wipes out Ahab's house and then they're not left anymore. He's doing all the things that God wants him to do. Um, But then he too has the same issue with like Jeroboam where he's like, I'm not going south to worship God at the temple. I'm not going to some other man's kingdom and going down there to do that. So what does he do? He starts worshipping the two golden bulls from earlier. And so, as you can imagine, you know how that ends. It's now 4-0 to the prophets and the kings are scoring no goals. Next up, we have Hezekiah versus Isaiah. He does loads and loads of good stuff, but right at the end, it ends badly and we get to 5-0. Now, I could bring up more prophets versus kings and if you want to spend your time going through the kings of the Bible and seeing each prophet that stands up, you're more than welcome to do to, do, do so. But I, I stopped there. I guess I maybe stopped there because um, when Liverpool played at Old Trafford against Man United, it got to 5-0 and they stopped playing football and just passed it around for the next 30 minutes. So I thought, I'm guessing this is what this is going to be. So at this moment, I took stock of what I'd seen and I started to review what was going on and I realised they had no king. They looked next door. They want what their next door neighbours have got. 
And then God arises prophets to generally do three things when it comes to kings. They oppose bad kings. They speak of new kings. Saul to David, Ahab to Jehu. And then they do one other thing. The prophets always speak about this Messiah, this King of kings and Lord of lords. The, the one who the increase of his government, the increase of peace will have no end. And he will sit on David's throne speaking of Jesus as king. So they have these three major functions. Today, I want us to reflect on a few things. So the first thing I want us to reflect on, we've got three points to go on. And the first thing is this. You may want to write it down. You may not want to write it down, but you're gonna, I need you to reflect on it today because I feel this is what the Lord wants to do with us. Three signs you need to change your monarch. Three signs you need to change your monarch. The first one is a question. Have you wanted the king others around you have? Have you wanted a king others around you have? Well, how does that pan out for you and me today? Well, it pans out in this way. So I know who God's called me to be. I know what God's called me to follow after. I know the values God's called me to have. I know he's called me to to love my neighbour. He's called me to love my enemies. He's called me to turn the other cheek. He's called me to do so many other things. He's called me to stand out. He's called me to be different. He's called me not just to fall in with the crowd and do what everyone else is doing, but to live out his kingdom values. So have you, I have, I know I have many a time, and this has happened to me a few, quite a number of times. I want to say a few. I wish I could say a few. It's probably many, many times. I've wanted a king that the others have. So in our age, I would say the king that we tend to want to have is what we see our next door neighbour have, and their king is themselves. Every guy on the road is calling himself a king nowadays. Everyone everywhere is calling themselves a king. Everyone is seeing themselves as a king. People live for themselves, and they put themselves on the throne of their lives. Saul, be your own king. Well, it's time to have, maybe in that scenario, a change of monarch. The second thing, and this one, I see this a lot, and this doesn't seem like it's a snaky thing, but it's a very snaky thing. It's a very subtle, subtle thing, but it has really big dangers later on. Got a really great mentor or Christian leader that you kind of go to. Um, David, David, you can trust David. David's such a good guy. He's a man after God's own heart. David can't be king in your life. I don't know if you saw the news, and I don't want to labor on it, but Brian Houston can't be king in your life doesn't matter how big or how great a leader is, they cannot be king. Jesus has to be king. It's laziness. It's laziness. The third one is keep finding key voices to tune into. It's a continuation of that laziness. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Not my sheep know someone else's voice that heard my voice. My sheep know my voice. So here are three steps that I want to challenge each one of us to do. These aren't the ultimate steps, but I think these are very basic steps that can help any one of us change the monarch in our life and put Jesus on the throne of our life. The first one is prayer. Tell God you want to change monarch. God, you know, I've been running my life for so long now and I'm just exhausted. God, I, I need you to change. I, I've, been, I've been the one calling all the shots and it hasn't got me anywhere great. Or God, you know what, right now, I've been calling the shots and I feel a bit like Ahaz. It's all going great. But God, I realise without you, it's not going to end great. I want you to be the king and the Lord in my life. I want you to take the throne. And then two is here. Read your Bible with your 
ears and eyes and mind open. So basic, but it's so key. Like, if what we're getting from God is always someone's regurgitated meal, if the thing we're getting is always someone's regurgitated meal, so what do I mean by that? If it's always a podcast, if it's always a YouTube video, if it's always like this famous preacher saying this, you need revelation for you. You need God to speak to you for you. You can't catch someone else's thing. You've got to catch your thing. God has something for you. God wants you. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, he, he wasn't saying that there was a great T.D. Jakes podcast that would sustain him. Don't get me wrong. I love T.D. Jakes. He's one of my absolute favorite all-time preaching communicators. But I don't want to hear T.D. Jakes. I want to hear God. I want him to speak to me. I want him to set my life on fire. I want to have encounter with God. John the Baptist took people to the wilderness because he was taking them from the power that be, the power structures, bringing people directly to God. I don't want to have a middleman in my life. I want to have God and I don't want anyone in our church. I don't want to be a middleman for any of you. We do our series and this is us as a church and we're moving in a direction together and we're learning something. But I want every single person in my church really hearing from God in their Bible time, in their prayer life, really hearing and knowing from Him. You've got to hear. And then the third one is this. The third one is obedience. Do what He tells you to do. Do you know how many times I've had conversations with people and this is one of the weird things. This is how the function of a prophet has become today. So you look at a prophet in the Old Testament and what they do. A prophet today is more like... It's like you're going to get your palm reading. I I don't understand it. It's like you're going to him. It's like, I want you to tell me what's going to happen in my life. I want you to have a word for me in this situation. I want to have this, that and the other. It's like the prophets in the Old Testament, they're not like that. There's moments where the king would go to them. And that's because the king was in charge of God's people. And what he did affected everyone in the country. And when he took them the wrong way, they were all going to suffer the consequences. Right? But you and I, we want to call some hotline. We want to text something. We want to go to some meeting. Now there's this prophet of God over here. Go see him and he'll just have this word for you and all this. Oh my days. And sometimes people go to me, but God hasn't spoken to me a long time. And I was, I was chatting with this guy, um, Paul, a couple of weeks ago at this uh, conference I was at. He said the coolest thing to me. I've never heard anyone talk about it like this. He said that he gets people in his church go, oh, pastor, could you pray for me so that I could hear God speak to me, this, that, and the other. And he goes, has God spoke to you before? And they go, generally speaking, he said, they go, yeah. What did he tell you to do? And one of the guys, his, his church is heavily made up of people that have been dependent on drugs or whatever. And they've gone things like, oh, he told me to give up smoking. Have you given up smoking? They go, no. He goes, well, what's the point of me praying for you? Get the thing he said done. And then you're going to hear from him again. But he goes, it's about obedience. He's told you specifically, you, to do one thing. You want to hear the next thing, do the first thing. And I was looking at him and I was like, this makes so much sense, you know. He goes, listen, it's very simple. It's like a sat-nav. If you have parked your car and you are not moving in the direction God has told you to move and you've parked up, like, there's no take a left turn. The car ain't moving anywhere. There's no next instruction. You haven't gone the wrong way and need to turn around. And that's the one, listen guys, I want to encourage you with today as Christians, repentance is so great. God sat now, turn around, turn around. You're going the wrong way, turn around. You want to hear the next thing? Do the first thing. Three signs you need a monarch. Honestly, everyone wants the next message. It's like, well, if you ain't done the first one, he's got nothing to say. You hung up the call a long time ago. Three signs you need to change monarch. First one, refresher before I end. You wanted the kings others have. The king that everyone wants today is themselves. 
you've got to dethrone you quick or it's going to end in disaster. The second one, don't just look for a great leader and mentor and think you can relax. You can't. You've got to have Jesus on the throne in your life. You can't find other voices. You need to find God's voice. No other voice will substitute. Three steps to change your monarchy. Talk to God that you need to change your monarchy. Hear from him. And the third is obedience. I'm going to pray for us today and that will be a wrap for the intro to this series. Father God, throughout Israel's history, I summed it up, I guess, as a football match, but so often more often than not, kings made terrible mistakes and it cost people so dearly. So many people's lives were ruined by bad kings. God, I've ruined my life countless times by being a bad king. Every time my life's been ruined, it's me been on the throne, not you. Every time I've suffered, every time my family suffered, it's because Andy has been on the throne, not Jesus. Father God, I come again this morning and I want to depose Andy as king. I don't want to be king anymore in my life. I don't want to be king in my family's life. Lord Jesus, I want you to take the throne. I want you to be the one that I hear from. I want you to be the one that I bow the knee to. I don't want to be king. I'm not jealous of my neighbours. I don't care what they have. How it starts, how it is, it's all about how it ends, God. And I know it always ends well with you because you are a good God and you are a good king. I don't want a king who's a man after God's own heart. I want a king that is God and has God's heart. Jesus, the king who was not just on a cross to die for our sins, but you are very much, you were God, you were king, and you were saviour. I don't want just one part of you, I want all of you. And that means, Lord God, this morning, I just want to take the knee before you, God, and say, you are the Lord of Lords and you are the King of Kings. I want you to reign in my life and my family's life. I want you to reign in this church. I want you to reign over each one of us. But whether I want something or not doesn't matter. Each one of us has to bow our knee before King Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that over the course of this series, we would discover you as King, that we would find new freedoms in bowing the knee before you. I pray, Lord God, that we talked about humility before, but we'll find humility in receiving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Father God, we won't turn our eyes looking at the field next to us, looking at the greener grass, but we'll realize that your grass is eternal and never fading and that we would trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website cityhill.london We are the light, we are the light